The series that we've been in for these last uh, two weeks, this the third, is This Is What We Do. And in this series today, we're going to really be talking about discipleship as we have been the last few weeks. Because when we're talking about belonging and when we're talking about serving and when we're talking about giving, we're talking about our call to discipleship. It is about how we respond to God's clear direction and how we give according to biblical standards. That's what we celebrate today. And today we're going to discuss uh, not simply giving, but we're going to talk about what it means to return or returning to God, which is what Malachi is all about. Today we're going to be filling out our commitment cards, and this is mine and Tammy's, and uh, we're going to be putting on this card uh, those particular heartbursts that we support and the amount that we plan to give in 2021, and uh, we're hoping to up our giving by 10% over last year, and that's our hope and our prayer, even though we know these are pretty um, uh, challenging times for us financially in our country and really throughout the world. But we believe that God's going to see us through yet again. And God has richly blessed us and will continue to do so. The passage that Donna read this morning from Malachi is all about why we give and how we tithe. It is also about bringing to the storehouse, and it references a day gone by because we're not an agrarian society. We can't easily divide what our income is into tents like it was when you brought in grain, and you could, equ- you could easily see what 10% of the grain was. And yet through these challenges, we have that biblical standard set forth for us that's all about understanding That all that we have has come from God, and we return a portion of that to God. What is the difference in giving and returning? That's where I want us to focus this morning. What is the difference in giving and returning? I like the story of the careless Scotsman who tossed a silver-crowned coin into the collection plate, thinking it was a penny. When he made the mistake, he quickly realized that. He rushed to the usher, and he told the usher what he had done, that he'd thrown in a silver coin instead of the penny that he intended. And and the usher refused to uh, give the silver coin back to the disgruntled Scotsman. Now, if you'll pardon the East Texas version of my Scottish brogue, uh, the Scotsman said, A will, a will, I'll get credit for it in heaven. The usher responded, No, no, you'll get credit in heaven for the penny. (laughs) I love that story. And the words of the usher were pointing to the way that the Scotsman was giving. Uh, He was giving not out of his heart, Uh, But he was giving, really, out of a stingy heart. And contrary to the old saying, to put your money where your mouth is, we really need to be resolute in putting our money where our heart is and making sure our heart is right with God. You know, one of the richest men in the world is Warren Buffett. He is probably one of the most famous investors in modern times. 
He is said to have a net worth of $80.5 billion. He said that it is his experience, the high-ranking insiders and corporate leaders who do the best job in running their company are those people who invest heavily in their company's stock. He said the higher up you go on the corporate ladder, the more you ought to have skin in the game in the company that you're running. Buffett shares a business concept. And I have no doubt that it is true. And it is important for us to recognize this morning that even those of us in the church, to use Warren Buffett's words, should have skin in the game. We should be committed. We should be uh, all in when it comes to our commitment to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all that God has done for us and the way that the Holy Spirit is moving among us in our ministry and outreach today that we support through our returning. You know, giving is good. It can even be seen as generosity, can't it? But we are meant to have a different understanding as people called the church. You may give to support a ministry for the church that you love or believe in. Here at Lover's Lane, we call those heart bursts. Or you may give because you hear of an urgent need of a particular mission or outreach. That happens from time to time. Or you may give to alleviate hunger or disease or poverty. Our giving as disciples of Jesus, however, is best based on our understanding and action, not just of giving, but of returning. Let's see what the prophet Micah says about this matter. The two most unpopular prophet preachers in all of the Old Testament would be Jeremiah and Malachi. The reason for this is that both of them confronted the nation that was in deep trouble because they were doing things uh, that were done their way instead of doing things God's way. Malachi was unusual because he didn't so much preach as he just asked questions, but he asked pointed and stinging questions. Every time he asked a question, the answer that they gave was self-condemning. This was a nation that had gotten far away from God. It was evident in the area of their giving that it wasn't a matter of the heart. And certainly it wasn't a matter of returning that which is God's. Before we give, we are challenged by Malachi to return to God. And returning in its first meaning is coming back to God, to return to God, to, to, to leave the ways of our own selfishness, he would say. Return to God in all the statutes of God. We read just moments ago this third chapter, the seventh and eighth verse. I'll remind us of those words. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have turned aside from any statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, 
how shall we return? You know, you only have one thing that you have to give to God. Really, just one thing. It's before we talk about money, or it's before we talk about service, or it's before we talk about belonging to the church or any small group. The one thing that you have to return to God is your heart. And and giving your heart, as Jesus instructed, to love the Lord God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus also said that if God doesn't have your money, God doesn't really have your heart. You know, aside from love, which you'd have to say was Jesus' favorite topic to address in his parables, the love of God, the love of Abba, you would have to say a close second would be the way he talked about how we give, how we give of our possessions and who we are. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Malachi encourages us to return to God, to make our love for God the main thing. And then he also anticipates our question. How shall we return, God? How do we do it? And the answer to the question is also provided. We should have said through our prayer and fasting, our disciplines that make our heart come back to God, through, through our meditating on God, word, God's Word day and night, which is a sign of our love for God in, in, in listening to, to God's story to us. And then giving alms to the poor who gather outside the temple. Now that's what Malachi said. That's the instruction that he gave to the people of old who said, how do we return to God? He said, you do it this way. This way. And they're all good actions. But Malachi's instruction to us as to how to return to God is straightforward. He talks about the tithe. Now, the tithe is an instructive action that gets at the central the truth about what we have being God's and how God only asks for a portion or a tenth, a tithe, back in return. Tithing was much simpler in Malachi's day, as I've already stated, for it was an agrarian society so that if you had, um, if you had wheat, then you simply had your harvest and it was easy to divide the harvest up into ten equal parts and uh, you brought that tenth part to the temple. Or some would say you brought the first tenth to the temple. Or if um, yours was uh, the profession of a shepherd, then you, uh, from your flock, uh, your, your new lambs that you had that year, you could count them. And what was a tenth of those lambs? It's much more difficult today to calculate a tithe. And yet we know that the biblical standard of thinking in terms of what we have received in the course of a, a, a week or a month or a year is how we return to God. 
Now, now I want to say that there are all kinds of questions about how exactly you go about this. And I want to say the most important answer is you go about it through prayer. You pray to God and God speaks to you. God uh, impresses upon your heart what it is God would like for you to give. And if you're thinking in terms of the biblical tithe, think in terms of a portion. And maybe if you have, um, haven't been tithing, maybe it's too hard to go to that place of a tenth. So I'd encourage you to go at it this way. To figure out what is 1% or 2% or 3% of what is my income. And start there. And then next year, maybe you can add a percentage or two. And then the next, and then the next, until before you know it, you're in that holy habit of the tithe. Be clear about this until you get to that point that Malachi spoke about, that place of giving that tenth portion back to God. Now, perhaps you've seen the bumper sticker before that said, honk if you love Jesus. I haven't seen as many of them around today as I used to. But I once also saw one that said, tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. (laughs) I love that one. You know, the practice of tithing is based on the foundational understanding that God has given to us everything. And we are only asked by God to return a portion, a tithe, back to God who has given it all in the first place. You know, I saw a preacher once on a video. Um, This was several years ago. His name was Stephen uh, Furtick. And and he illustrated the tithe by using ten pomegranates. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. But immediately, anytime I see a pomegranate, the first thing I think about is my great-grandmother, Mama Hasey. My grandmother Hasey, I'm telling you, she could grow anything and she could cook anything. She was one of the best gardeners and one of the greatest cooks I've ever known. And she was special to me and my sister because... Uh, When we were growing up, my parents both worked. My father was a pharmacist. My mother was a teacher. And Mama Hasey, my great-grandmother, she would keep us. Uh, She was our babysitter, in essence. I remember walking with her through her garden, and she'd wear her bonnet, her garden bonnet. I remember she had a big old wash tub uh, with an axe handle that she'd stir the wash pot uh, when she'd clean her clothes. And I remember just outside her kitchen window was like a garden. There were fruit trees and there were uh, all kinds of, of, um, of plants that were beautiful. But I remember that special bush that she loved. It was a tree, but it uh, looked more like a bush. And it was her pomegranate bush. You know, I didn't know much about pomegranates, but I knew Mama Hasey grew them. And I knew that, uh, that in the fall of the year, we would enjoy Um, tasting those pomegranates. Now, I want to say that uh, my great-grandfather, Daddy Hasey, had a stroke when I was a little boy. And I have one snapshot memory of him on top of his Palomino pony there riding in the, uh, the, the Rose Parade in Tyler. But other than that, the only memory I have of my Daddy Hasey was him being in a wheelchair after his stroke. 
paralyzed on his left side and not being able to verbally communicate. He only used one phrase, boy in the morning, boy, boy, boy in the morning, boy in the morning. Oh, what an interesting way to communicate. And he, with his right hand, he'd, he'd, he'd be pointing and he'd be instructing and verbally the only thing coming out of his mouth was boy in the morning, boy in the morning, boy in the morning, boy in the morning. Mama Hasey took care of him too. She was a giver. And, and I remember so much when she'd come in with one of those pomegranates, finally we'd been watching them grow for weeks. And she'd take that knife and she'd cut open that pomegranate. It was loaded with seed. Now think about having 10 pomegranates here. I didn't bring pomegranates. I thought we could do it with the screen just as well. And every one of those pomegranates being full of seeds. You know, there's an old Jewish um, uh, tradition that says the pomegranate has 613 seeds in it. Every pomegranate has 613 seeds that represent every law of God in the Bible. Well, let me tell you something. You can get a pomegranate and you can cut it open. And if you have 613 seeds in that pomegranate, you got lucky. <laughs> because a pomegranate can have anywhere from 200 seeds to 1,400 seeds in a pomegranate. Think about it. I remember as a kid eating those seeds and uh, how it was a little juicy, crunchy bite. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, my hands would be purple and so would be my lips from eating pomegranates. But think of it like this. These ten pomegranates and that one that we return to God. And we open it up and it's full of hundreds of seeds. And isn't that the way it is with our gifts? When we return that portion... God multiplies, plants all of these seeds of ministry that changes the lives of others. The hungry are fed. The sick are cared for all over the world. Little deaf children have a chance to learn the Bible. Deaf adults too, for that matter. And all children can come to learn about Jesus here, uh, no matter your color or your culture. And youth learn the lessons of caring for a world in need. And people with addictions find friends and confidence who can help them to stay sober. And young people experience living out faith with those who are different. And older adults have that visit from one who cares. And, and all of this together we call ministry and outreach. God said in Micah and through Micah, if you will make me your source, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will know joy and peace and be full to overflowing. Wow. The way God deals with money is not 
increasing your income, but increasing your outgo. You know, the prosperity gospel sometimes preaches if you give, God's going to give you back tenfold. It's going to be your giving to get. (laughs) That's not the way it works. We return. And what God does is increases our outgo. Managing money sometimes is, is very simple, people think. The priorities regarding money, as we see it, are usually you spend, you save, you give. And we usually spend more than we save, and we save more than we give. Isn't that right? But if we let God change us to the mica understanding of returning, then the key to managing money is to let God master it. When God masters your money, God flips our priorities to give first, save and invest, and then spend on what you need. Let's remember, God does not need your money or my money. But God knows the spiritual health that aligns everything else in our lives when we return to God. It leads to our peace and wholesome living. You know, when we have the understanding that we are meant for more than simply giving, we are meant to return to God and return what God asks for, then we give God what God wants and God gives to us according to our need, but more importantly, just like the pomegranate seeds, God multiplies the outgo and God changes lives by the way we share ministry and outreach. Amen.